You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Oh, hey, guys, this is Joe Sinnott uh, speaking for the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. And I'm your incredible Hulk host, Alex Lee. And welcome to the show, <laughs> Alex. This is your first episode with us, and you're going to be joining us for, hopefully, all of the Hulk volumes, however oh many there may be. Wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get any interviews to go along with this episode because all of the creators who worked on this book are either dead... Or or or, or reclusive, <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. or Stanley. <laughs> so, um, I would have loved to talk to Stan or Steve Ditko, um, but especially yeah. Stan because he worked so much on on this character. But he is, he has like this brick wall that surrounds him. Plus, yeah. he's been having some health issues lately too. So, yeah, <laughs> we want to give our best to Stan as he heals Absolutely. from this recent attack, heart attack or whatever it was that he, he's just uh, in the hospital for. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Instead of interviews, though, what I do have as a special treat for us is the guy who has uh, worked on the mapping for the Incredible Hulk epic collection. And that's you, <laughs> right, Alex? That is me. That is I, yeah. How did you get involved in that? How did you get that opportunity? Well, it was actually uh, the Marvel Masterworks Forum, you know, just getting to know Rhett um, and Jeff, you know, Brett Thomas, Jeff York, who that, and uh, had worked on the Marvel Spotlight um, magazine uh, about 10 years ago, 8 to 10 years ago, and so that just, my involvement with that kind of got me into um, researching the contents for some of the books, mapping them out, that kind of thing, and with the epics, we're going to be coming up, Jeff and I talked about that, and um, I asked about being able to work on the Hulk and Spider-Man titles, because those are my, the nearest and dearest to my heart, I always have them, and uh, so it's a that's kind of how it came about. It's uh, really cool to, to be involved with that and get to um, sometimes make some decisions about what goes into the book, um, particularly with the Hulk series. Uh, Jeff and I actually um, sat down at my place for an entire day just like, going through what the contents would be for the entire Hulk series. So that was uh, pretty awesome to do. So. so when you and Jeff sit down and do that, how do, you, how do you go about do that? Do you have like spreadsheets or do you use post-it notes or like what's the process of mapping things out? Yeah, like I think spreadsheets, that's a good way to say it. Um, you know, we have, you have page constraints, you know, limitations on how many um, how many stories really or how many pages can fit into a volume. So that dictates your contents a lot, of, you know, kind of going into it. And uh, you, want the, you want it to be a pretty cohesive story too. You know, you don't want to have anything, you know, left out, orphaned or whatever, you know. So if it's a, a certain story arc, you want that all to be in there, obviously. Um, creators, you know, you want to try to contain that. So if it's... Um, if it's a certain team, writer, artist team, you want to try to contain that to a volume as well. So that, so there are certain things as you go into it, you know, trying to adhere to, to those those kind of things. As far as the epic collections are concerned, what are the must-haves in each volume? Like, of course, the the issues itself and the mm -hmm. annuals. But what are the other important um, issues for any title that have to go in epic collections, no matter what? 
I think anything that adheres to the, that relates to the story. So certainly a crossover, you know, you try to include, you know, those contents and, um, like with a, one of the latest Hulk volumes, um, it was kind of an interesting offbeat story, Hulk versus Venom, um, that we included in there. And just to, cause it's like, where else would it be reprinted? You know, it's kind of a, I suppose you could have like a Venom book or something like that, but, uh, just trying to think of um, things like that that came out during the run. I mean, certainly you want the the actual Incredible Hulk run in there, but if there are opportunities to plug other things in there as well, like one shots that relate to the Hulk, then um, you know, for example, you know, we try to do that. So for this yeah. first volume, yes. Um, why don't you give us the table of contents to tell us what we're okay. going to be talking about in this episode, but also and then tell us why did you choose the issues that you chose here because it's pretty much all guest appearances yeah well first off we've got incredible hulk one through six we've got fantastic four 12 25 and 26 avengers one three and five amazing spider-man 14 tales to astonish 59 and journey into mystery 112 um i didn't actually choose the contents for this book um these were this is kind of more of a cory uh cory Myers. Oh, yeah, because he does the yeah. 60s stuff. Exactly. But um, it was kind of cool. When Jeff and I were talking about the epic line, how it was going to be coming out um, back in 2013, uh, he had mentioned what the contents of this book were going to be. And I, I thought that was awesome because I'd, I'd always hoped that the, there would be some kind of book collecting Hulk's other appearances between his six-issue original series and uh, Tales to Astonish. So it was they really serve, I think, quite well too. Even though they're guest appearances, largely, um, it's, it serves to bridge the gap really between his series and then Tales of Astonish. And it, um, it because there are a lot of parts. I mean, like Avengers number five, you have some pages in there which are just totally all Hulk and could could have been pulled from a Hulk story mm-hmm. um, or a Hulk comic during that time. So it's a it's a great way to put it all together. It's kind of unusual. I, I'm glad they they went that way too with like um, the Silver Surfer um, doing it that way. So. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Now, when I was reading through this, it actually was a, it was pretty interesting, just looking at it from the Hulk's perspective, and especially because all of these books were written by Stan and illustrated by Jack, it, it pretty much is just an ongoing story of the Hulk. The story literally takes place; one picks up right after the other, uh, as yeah. far as his story is concerned. So it doesn't feel like it's a hodgepodge of different books because it's got this singular voice and singular style. Yeah, well put. Mm-hmm. I just released our Moon Knight episode uh, just just recently, and that one, half of that book is filled with Moon Knight's guest appearances between his first appearance and his, and his ongoing series. But mm-hmm. that book is full of um, each, each guest appearance is a different creator and a different story, and they have a different style, and treat the character a little bit differently and that one really does feel like a hodgepodge um mm. whereas this one it's it's actually a great um hulk volume one i think it, it's uh, it's mm. well put together well thought out oh yeah it's definitely yeah it's a it's a cool series that's for sure all the epics it's just it's really neat to like the whole concept is just um you know it seemed a bit a little strange at first you know like releasing them like volume one and then volume 13 and then five whatever but um I like how it, you know, does kind of keeps it fresh. You know, you know, you, keeps you wondering what's going to be next, and, and just putting the whole puzzle together. You know, ultimately, like I do on the, the web, the uh, forum there, um, just trying to figure out, okay, what can, what'll, you know, what will fit in between these two volumes that have been released. You know, mm-hmm. and, and doing that is cool. So, uh, 
Yeah. One of the best things about this volume is that every single character in the Marvel Universe who existed at this point is in this book. All of the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Mm -hmm. even the X-Men make a cameo appearance in this one. And it's just fantastic. I I can't remember if Doctor Strange is out by this point. but He is, but he's like the one exception, I think. You're right. I think, what, Avengers 3? I think that's when uh, Iron Man tries to get help from everybody. (laughs) And that's where the X-Men come in, for example. Yeah. Spider-Man. And then, like, Nick Fury hasn't popped over to the marvel universe proper right. at this point he's still in world war ii so he's true but yeah everybody else is in this one book so it's like and especially they all get together for one big battle it's yeah it's pretty oh, God, cool I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's i just love the title uh the cover of fantastic 426 where you have the hulk on the tower oh yeah by himself and everybody's going after him <laughs> it's just a you know definitely I, you know i can I envy the the kids who were well the people who were kids during that time you know buying those for the first time and just you know how exciting that must have been mm-hmm. to, um, to to read these yeah so just before we get into the episode I have some comments on Facebook that I'd like to share uh, I asked people to give us what they thought about this volume um, and we'll just bang them out here uh, Sam says I think it's really just perfect the beginnings of the Hulk and mm-hmm. Chris yeah. Chris says. Why is it almost 100 pages shorter than every other epic? Mm. I think that's a good question, but I'm pretty yes. sure that's because you wanted to start, or Corey wanted to start Volume 2 with yep. his Tales to Astonish stuff. Yes, that is true. We, we had talked, um, I do remember uh, talking with Jeff a little bit about this, and because when I was kind of mapping out, even though it was, it was basically Corey's final decision, as I recall, uh, what went into these early volumes, but... Um, that was a good question, though. Do we have room for, like, Tales of Astonish 60 through 62, for example? But, of course, I mean, with those, um, and, and I know this is getting into Volume 2, but just uh, real quick, I mean, it's pretty much an ongoing story of the Hulk from number 60 through, geez, I think, like, 87. No, even beyond that. I, I, <laughs> it's just, like, this ongoing story. So yeah. it would be really hard to split that up. So, yeah, exactly. Pretty much what you said. That, that's true. I mean, it's, it's it made more sense to you know, just start the next volume with Tales of Astonish, brand-new series and then uh, Kemi says, I haven't read it, but I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, Kemi, you better get on it because it's a, it's a pretty entertaining yeah. read. Um, right. And Grant says, it's a great collection. Love how it follows Hulk through the various other books back to when he got his own strip again. Yeah. Uh, yep, there we go. <laughs> Good comments. Thanks for, for commenting, everybody. Getting into the Hulk here, we're going to talk in detail about the first six issues. And I know that the Epic Collection puts Fantastic Four number 12, number 12 um, in between uh, issue five and six because that's when it happens in the story. But I really want to just tackle the first six issues all together mm-hmm. first, and then we'll talk about his, his guest appearances. Yeah. Okay. So the first issue is called The Coming of the Hulk and it's the the origin story, the the iconic famous origin story where Bruce Banner is caught in the blast of the gamma bomb and is turned into a monster. Um yeah. Alex, is this this issue like burned into your mind? It is. Yeah, I I remember reading this for the first time and uh you know, just it was it was funny actually when I the, the reprint that I first read this in Hulk's uh, skin was green. And so strange for me to um, to go back and you know when I looked at the original material and the sea was gray, <laughs> originally. Yeah. And, um, 
it's a really cool uh, comic. I, this is an amazing Fantasy 15, and my, my two favorites, and just like you said, a very iconic uh, origin story. And one thing I like about um, this, you know, a good way to sort of test and see if the uh, when they're reproducing this, if um, if they're true to the original colors, is certainly the cover of Hulk Number One, where Banner's hair is uh, blonde. <laughs> it's just you know, mis miscolored that way. But that's a great way to see, like, okay, yeah, they did. They stuck to the original. Okay, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just I, I just love what a great um you know hearing Stanley talk about the origins of the Hulk you know kind of a combination of Frankenstein and Jekyll and Hyde, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. really cool stuff and uh, yeah, and it reads like 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 Marvel's monster books at the time because they were heavy into mm -hmm. those monster books because this is yep. the dawn of superheroes so they didn't do a whole lot of superheroes at this point, right. um in fact I think maybe only Ant Man was around Fantastic. before this. Fantastic Four was the first, oh, yeah, yeah, and then Ant-Man, but it actually was just at that point, it was just uh, Hank Pym at the time, he hadn't uh, gotten the costume until a few months later, so he was just the man in the anthill, you know, Hank Pym, like a, it was like kind of right. a classic horror story. Yeah. Um, so really the Hulk was the, I guess you could say, was really the next superhero, actual superhero series after the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and they didn't they treat rolled. it like a superhero series, they treated it more yeah. like their, their horror monster stories. Yep. Um, and it really reads like that. And so it has such a different feel from any of the other Silver Age um, or, sorry, uh, Marvel Age superhero books at, at the time. Uh, sure. it, it's really great. It, it plays with your, I don't know, just the psychology of, of Bruce Banner and plays on your own fears. And, and I just love also uh, Jack Kirby during this era um, oh, yeah. where he's still a little bit more on the realistic side and hasn't gone into his really stylized blocky look yet yeah i like you know, one thing i like that that jack does is uh, some of the panels here like on page four of the story we've got when banner's hit by the bomb and you have the uh the panels like two of the panels very much alike you know the one of him right in the blast like zoomed in on his face and then the next uh, panel is him in the hospital same facial expression but kind of comparing the two and yeah some of the uh the panel progressions i've always been fascinated by um progressions where you see banner turning into the hulk and kind of like that slow change there um there are a few uh on page uh, page nine, where Hulk uh, um, destroys uh, Igor's gun. Yeah, I mean, a... you can really see sort of a movie influence yeah. here. Like you, if you were to play it out on film, you could tell yeah. exactly how it would go. Particularly page fourteen, the very end of part three of the story, where you have Banner sitting in the chair and uh, oh, you know, yeah. see like the sun setting, and he's like, you know, what's going to happen? You know, how do I know I'm not going to keep changing? What's going to happen next? And so just good. how it kind of goes to black. Yeah, it's really. And it's got the first appearance of Gargoyle. Later known as the Gremlin, I think. Yeah. Oh, Gargoyle at the time. Yeah. He came back, I think, in the um, Hulk 188, I think, in 1975. And they had renamed him, I think, the Gremlin at that point for whatever reason. Oh, really? It was that long yeah. before he reappeared? I believe so. I could I could be wrong, but I think that was the next time. Wow. Nice. Well, yeah. Yeah. So. And I just love yeah. the Cold War influence here as well. Such an mm -hmm. interesting uh, uh, little snippet of what was happening in in world history at the time oh, yeah. um, just with the, the you know the Russians that are here and just the fact that it was a basically nuclear bombs yep. at the beginning yep. of this the weapons race yeah I mean that's yeah. you know it's really it's a cool way for people to learn about history you know it's like me certainly watching old movies listening to older music um, and reading these older comics I mean it, it's uh, as, as myself somebody who grew up in the 80s and 90s it's really neat to go back and uh, read this stuff from the 60s. And yeah, it's really, see, like you said, see it through um, 
kind of see the world through the eyes of the creators and you know certainly that fear i mean you had a uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis in October of '62, so a few months after this, um, this first issue came out. So certainly there was that that fear of you know we gotta we gotta beat the commies in the weapons race and the space race. You yeah, know, we don't want to be left behind. And so it's uh, um, I like at the end of the story too, where um, uh, the gargoyles alter ego though. Uh, there, uh, he returns back to human. Well, he, he reverts back to human thanks to uh, Bruce and. Uh, realizes that the error of his ways <laughs> supporting the communists <laughs> yeah. destroys it blows it all up so yeah it's amazing <laughs> not to yep. give the not to give the ending away spoiler alert you know, 56 years later yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well let's move so. on to issue number two uh terror yeah. of the toad men now this right. is such an odd issue as well a fleet of alien toad men kidnap bruce and rick um, yep. <laughs> and, and use them to determine whether or not they should uh, take over Earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Based on those their personalities and their strength or whatever, not knowing that they're kidnapping the Hulk. And it, it again, with just a random alien race, feels like one of Marvel's alien monster stories um, mm. that they've been writing for a long time. Certainly it's a transitional kind of series the Hulk is, you know, transitioning from... Yeah, like you said, kind of the horror stories, the sci-fi stories that Marvel was doing, and like, like Tales of Astonish, suspense, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and transitioning into the more like the purely superhero sort of stories. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- these first six <laughs> issues are all over the map in terms of the style and the genre of, of the of the stories. It's true. It's you do kind of wonder if Stan and Jack were trying to figure out what to do with a character during that time because yeah like you said every single issue it's kind of like the weather in maine it's like if you uh where i live you know if it's like if you don't like it today you know wait till tomorrow and you'll, you'll get something different yeah and that's really what this series was about um i mean just for the simple fact yeah i mean it w- i probably would have been a little confused picking number two up and being like you know why is it green now instead of gray yeah and, <laughs> so, and the story behind that is just that the gray didn't come out well in the printing right. process Right, it, uh, yeah, and then exactly. so, so Stan decided to switch it to green because that popped more. Uh, in the it, exactly, product. yeah. What I find strange about that is that uh, a few months later, Iron Man comes out and he's gray. You know, it's kind of like you hmm. think of, if it didn't work on the Hulk, why did they but then try he, it with Iron Man? Yeah, they right. tried it. They and forgot, but quickly turned gold. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, green. It's funny. You know, I just remember um, oh, Kent, uh, Kenneth Johnson, who uh, did the uh, Hulk TV series um, in the late seventies, early eighties. I wondered, you know, why? Why is he green? You know, why? You know, what is he? The envious Hulk? You know, why is he not red? You know, the color <laughs> of anger, rage. You know, and um, but you're right. It's you know, green does definitely pop, and I think he's the must have been other green characters. Well, there certainly wasn't yeah. in Marvel yet. It, true. So it's you know, this is um, it's interesting here having uh, Kirby's um, pencils and uh, Steve Ditko's inks on this one. You know, two masters working together. Um, the Hulk, there are definitely some really creepy Hulk uh, panels in this one where he just, uh, I think it's, what is it, page, page 10 has uh, some really kind of creepy Hulk faces. The one where he shoots the, the gun at the, uh, the toad yeah. man. And oh, man. Like the, the, yeah. They really and, put and the Frankenstein face- in there. Oh, yeah, definitely. That final final panel on page 10, too. Just a very, I mean, just great, great expressions. Yeah. yeah, you can really see the difference between the different inking styles um, because Kirby was, of course, doing like I don't know ten books at a time yeah, at this easily. point, oh, and yeah. so he his pencils are I'm sure were very rough and relied a lot on the inkers to just embellish everything. Steve yep. Ditko, you can see his influence here, sure for sure, because yeah, yeah, he has a lot definitely. more of a thinner line, 
um, mm -hmm. than than most of the other inkers at this time too. Yeah, that's one thing I was always impressed with Steve Ditko uh, too, like um, like with Spider Man and Doctor Strange, most of Doctor Strange anyway, I think, where he would ink his own pencils, and uh, it was pretty impressive. Um, he because a lot of pencilers would yeah would rely on an inker to kind of bring you know, the finished product out. I don't know if there there must be some examples out there of Kirby inking himself, but I just uh, usually yeah it's someone like yeah Dick Ayers doing it or Paul Ryman. Now there is one thing I wanted to mention. Um, there is a reference to using magnetism. Um, <laughs> yeah, very original, right? <laughs> well, it's it's not actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> the it says here the Toadman. This is on page nine of this issue. Um, yeah. The Toadman hurls Rick Jones back to Earth in a magnetically guided plastic escape <laughs> cylinder. Um, now, this is before anyone's been to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was just reading some Dick Tracy from this era. And in okay. that, uh, Chester Gold is actually a huge proponent of using uh, or, or pushing science, the science of magnetism forward and how that's used in space travel and stuff. Mm. And... Uh, he even writes in many of his strips, the nation that controls magnetism controls the world. Wow. Uh, because he was so strong about the fact that this new science of magnetism in terms of space travel is, is so, so important. And uh, it's a sign of the time. Obviously, we, we uh, know how it works a lot better now. It doesn't quite do exactly what they said it was going to do in the 60s, but... <laughs> Um, but that reference there is actually a sign of current trends mm -hmm. in the 60s. Yep. I kind of joked about the originality because, um, you know, Stan Lee was using magnetism as a weapon in a lot of the stories, I think. And uh, obviously Magneto came out the next year. In yeah, right. But, um, well, but and was, magnetism yeah. was in the headlines. I mean, he probably yep. saw that on in the, in the newspapers and incorporated yep. it into his into his stories. But yeah, a hip guy. Yeah. That's interesting <laughs> that I, I didn't put the connection between Magneto and the era, uh, but yeah. that's totally mm -hmm. true. One thing I got to say real quick while we're on page nine here, okay. I just love how Bruce um, in panel four is able to see from that spaceship that Rick landed safely on Earth. Wow. Really good eyesight. Very, very, very good. Hulk eyesight. <laughs> Hulk eyesight, exactly. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's that's uh, the the pleasure of reading these comics from the '60s. Oh yeah, it's a you know it's 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 really uh, there's something kind of charming about sort of the innocence of it. Uh, you know, just the you know adhering to the comics code so it, nobody dies. You know, I, I like in Sergeant Fury, for example. I mean, they they shoot at people, and usually, I mean, a lot of the times people don't die, even though it's war. You know, it's like you know they yeah. shoot at Nick Fury shoots at someone just to you know get him to run away or something. Instead of you know, killing him, so it's nice to know that Rick landed safely. And, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to discuss on this one? No. Let's move on to okay. issue number three. It's called All "Banished right. to Outer Space." Yeah. And in this one, Thunderbolt Ross tricks the Hulk into a rocket that he sends to space. That plot yeah. set sure sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I mean, poor I know poor old Hulk. I mean, geez, he had this happen, and then right, exactly, the whole civil what was it, Planet Hulk? Yeah. And then in, actually before that, the Crossroads saga back in 84, you know, where uh, Hulk is, <laughs> Doctor Strange ships Hulk off to some <laughs> other universe. It's like they're always sending him away. <laughs> yep. They never so. invite him over. They always no. just push him out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, so. 
yeah that yeah this one was a good this one was an interesting story too because it it uh uh gives him a it kind of changes his powers a little bit because he gets a second mm. dose of radiation when he goes to outer space yeah exactly and then he uh i think what he is this the one where he has banners i think he comes back with right he, exactly and so he's connected to rick basically yeah this, yeah and so uh so rick uh, is able to tell him what to do which is kind of cool having the hulk be uh you know, be your um, servant or whatever, you know. And that's so, an interesting uh, connection, too, because Rick would then later on have a mind link with Captain Marvel. Oh, that's uh, right. So yeah. this sort of is a foreshadow of that happening as well. Yeah, definitely. The uh, quintessential sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a, I like this. Uh, the first I ever read of this, I actually just read the origin of the Hulk section that was in the um, one of the, the first uh, Hulk um, Marvel Treasury edition. Um, so it's, uh, of course, the origin of the Hulk is part two of this story, or part two in this comic. But, um, you know, one thing on that note, just to, not to go off on a tangent, but um, it's funny how the first four issues of the Hulk all had his origin again. It's sort of like, you know, yep. for those who didn't tune in two months prior. I was going to mention that. But, I mean, these mm-hmm. um, this was a bi-monthly book. Right. And in an era where... Um, you know, people didn't have subscriptions. You just kind of had to discover it on the spinner rack. So yeah, they put right. the origin in there a lot. In fact, not only the first four issues, but it appears the origin appears again a couple more times in the other issues oh, that yeah. are in here as well. So yep. we actually get the origin like four or five times in this one book. <laughs> if you don't know by the by the last page, then you're clearly you haven't been stories. paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I um, and this is cool too. The ringmaster, you know, one of the um. You know, an ongoing Marvel villain uh, first shows up in this book. Yeah, so he's Pretty back cool. in the Golden Age. He first appears in Captain America <laughs> yep. number five in 1941. So it's, uh, yep. yeah, they brought him back. I think that was, didn't they say that was his father or something? I think that's what they, Marvel Saga, I think they, when they uh, reproduced this story, um, I think they mentioned that that guy, yeah, the, back in World War II was the father of this. That would make that. sense. Yeah. But the circus of crime carries through yes that's generations true. yeah yep yep <laughs> it's that awesome it just keeps going <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, yeah it's uh i like the uh the kirby ayers combination yeah I, you know i love his inks um during this period particularly on uh, on kirby's pencils yeah um, he really grounds the drawings um mm-hmm. he puts a lot of like he he uses his uh his blacks really effectively mm. yeah um yeah. It's that, very, that very true. different diff, different than Ditko, who doesn't rely on the blacks as much as uh, as Dick does. Yeah. That's a good point, yeah. Which is you know really nice with the uh, the dramatic the dramatic feel of the series. It's, yep. Yeah, it works out well. So you know, it's kinda of funny in this one too, going back to the origin of the Hulk, they uh, they have Banner's hair is blonde here too. <laughs> it's 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 an interesting thing, like when they uh, started um the modern reprints, you know, how Again, how they were really sticking close to the original colors, even if the errors. You know, I like that uh, or errors. I do too. Um, it's it's kind of cool that they do that. Yep, I, I think that's a. I think that's just a. It's neat to be able to look at it from that historical perspective, and you know, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Everything wasn't perfect back then. They they were making <laughs> yeah. mistakes, and we like to see them. And also, they didn't correct any of the mistakes. Like they mistakenly oh, called. Yeah. Bruce Banner, Bob Banner, throughout this book several times, <laughs> and uh, they didn't—they exactly. didn't correct that at all. In fact, that yeah. was—that um, was eventually built into his actual name. They right. eventually yeah. started calling him Robert Bruce Banner because to, to just say that, oh no, no, that wasn't a mistake after all. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a good move. Yeah. Yep. I always thought that was a cool combination of names too. I mean, I don't know if Stan was thinking about Robert Bruce, you know, the you know the Scottish, uh, you know, from Scottish history, um, or Robert the Bruce, I guess they call him. But it's kind of neat how that. I don't know if that it was kind of a coincidence, I guess, in this case, you know, calling him Bob and then Bob. Sorry, first Bruce and then Bob and then combining the two. Yeah. For his actual names. So. We can move on to issue number four here. There are sure. two stories in this one, uh, just like the last mm-hmm. issue. Two stories: the monster and the machine, and Mongu, gladiator from space. <laughs> and um, in Monster and the Machine, Banner builds a machine that allows the Hulk to re- retain Banner's brains. Yeah. Again, changing a lot of uh, just the way Hulk works. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, in the first of um, several times we would see the Hulk with Banner's mind. Um, would never quite ever would never really work out, but they you know they'd always try it for a little bit of time. Um, yeah, this is a cool concept. I mean, just uh, you know, you see him. It's funny to watch sort of the regression. You know, like he's got Banner's mind speaks like Banner in the first one, and then a couple, you know, a couple issues later, he's speaking with more slang and saying "ain't" all the time. <laughs> he yeah, becomes, yeah. He becomes more thuggish and everything. Um, yeah, this is you know it's kind of interesting with this one. Um, you know, Mongu, of course, turns out to be a robot, a Soviet robot a or Soviet something like that. Ro- well, <laughs> no, it's um, I think these guys are Mongolian. Oh, okay. Was that this or was that number five with a general thing? Oh, if you jump to page, um, page six. Oh, oh yeah, Boris, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boris Monguski. Nope. You're right. <laughs> yeah, the Mongolians are in the next issue. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but it's funny that how this um, even though Mongu is a uh, robot in this one, he shows up again, like I think in Hulk two eleven, as an actual character. Okay. Um, which is and I, it's been years since I've read that one, but uh, um, but it's cool how they. You know, kind of brought that character back years later, but um, it is funny though. Yeah, I mean, every like you're saying, I mean, the whole communist impact. You know, being the communists being villains in a lot of these stories, and uh, they are, yeah. and especially if you like, I, there was a point where I was trying to read through all of the '60s books in order and yeah. such, and like every single one of them dealt with a red spy of some sort, and especially <laughs> in Iron Man, like every single oh, issue God. was Soviet focused. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very, very strange. But that was the time. Those were the major villains. And now, nowadays in comics, I mean, I guess they don't really play off of it, but you see more kind of um, Middle Eastern threats and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It just goes with whatever's happening in, exactly. in modern yeah, in times. Right, right. Which is, you know, again, one of those cool things about comics. You know, just, yeah, if you read the original Captain America, obviously, you like the Nazis. It'd be interesting, actually, to see kind of what the kind of like the last communist story is in marvel you know if you you know reading through the 60s like you're doing um i'm doing the same thing too but just to i wonder what at one point um marvel kind of moved on yeah <laughs> from that you know but, well i um, mean the cold war continues mm, for a couple of decades so they could uh, <laughs> could have just kept on going that's true number five is called the beauty and the beast and in this yeah. one we actually get a credit an inking and lettering credit yeah that's so, the beginning isn't it yep so we get yeah. to finally they get they get their recognition, which is nice, right? And Art Simic or Simic, however you pronounce that, he, it's good to see him getting some credit too. Yeah, <laughs> so, but uh, they don't credit the colorists for quite a few more years down the road. Yeah, which is strange. You know, I wonder why that was because I mean that certainly uh, that's a great part of the art, you know, particularly um, I love on the covers, you know, particularly where they um, the, the different shadings of um, mm-hmm. like Hulk's green. You know, it's a really uh, 
it's an art certainly of its in and of, in and of itself preserving credit. Yeah. So this is an interesting issue because Hulk is lured underground by yeah. an immortal Roman Tyrannus <laughs> yeah. who's hi- who's been hiding underground for centuries, being kept young uh, by the Fountain of Youth. In fact, he was put underground by Merlin the magician like exiled there so <laughs> it's just a it's an odd combination of a bunch of different sort of historical concepts and figures um yeah. all mushed into one <laughs> <laughs> and they're like technologically yes, advanced down there too <laughs> yeah a lot of you know you got and I like how he uh shows up later with a fighting the mole man it's like two guys who are like <laughs> exiled down <laughs> below the earth you know fighting each other yeah i guess they, they bump into each other ultimately that way so and he you know came back quite a bit um at tyrannus as a uh, you know as an ongoing villain i, I think uh, you know quite a um i know he's in tales of astonish and then uh he's come back a few times so um huh. yeah you know one of the i guess you could say he was kind of hulk's first um one of his first big villains i guess as far as like an ongoing Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this one it's is interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. You go ahead. You go ahead. It's cool how um, you know, the relationship between Hulk and Betty kind of develops. Um, you know, they, of course, they first meet in number one, and he scares he scares her, and she faints, and of course, that sets General Ross off against the Hulk. But um, it's cool in this one how she starts to understand that he's not that the Hulk's not a villain, and. You know, so that's I think that one of the best parts of the ongoing themes of the Hulk series is really just um, that kind of love. I guess you could call it like a love triangle between the Hulk, Banner, and, and Betty. <laughs> you know how she uh, relates to these two sides of one coin. You know, and um, and I think loves them in their own way. So, um, so that's uh, yeah, pretty cool. I love it. You know, it's uh, just talking about kind of the style of the art on page eight in the center of the page. I like how um, Kirby zooms in on the Hulk's face, and he just gets more bestial, uh, more you know, just a oh yeah, you know, you just a you know, just a kind of losing control of his himself and hulking out. So, um, yeah, this one's one. great. And then you got you got the second story here. Yeah, the second story, the hordes of General Fang. Um, General Fang and his army are about to attack a tiny village called uh, uh, Lahasa. Uh, Sure. Yeah. And <laughs> I think Bruce... the second the second L is silent in that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Bruce willingly turns himself. So he's got this device now that will yeah. turn himself from the Hulk to Bruce Banner um, through a ray, a gamma ray. Yeah. Uh, so again, changing the way he does it. it, he's gone through so many different iterations in in these. We're all on issue five, and first it was the he turned it to Hulk at night. Yeah. Another time he like he was smart and he was the Hulk and now it's uh, he can turn back and forth as he pleases. So it's very like they're still figuring out how they want to deal with this character here. Yeah. yeah but uh, yeah, I mentioned before that there are Mongolians in this book and this is the yep. story. So this is uh, yeah. Mongolia <laughs> at the time. Communism was forced upon Mongolia because mm-hmm. they bordered the Soviet Union and, and they kind of took over Mongolia for a little while. And uh, so they are, whether they wanted to or not, they they were communist, and uh, that's why we see them in this story too. Kind of a little bit racially <laughs> yeah, depicted like here with the, the kind of the yellow skin and whatnot, yeah. but um, that's definitely a sign of the times as well. That's an interesting thing too, you know, as we talk about um, 
the modern reproductions of these stories. You know, that's something where they they stuck to the original skin color, you know, the original colors here as well. And they could have chosen to, you know, not to do that. But I, you know, it's sort of a, um, you know, it's an unfortunate quality of these older stories, I suppose. But it's at the same time, it's sort of like understanding the feelings of the times. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's seeing sort of the times through the creators and, um, you know, kind of the, just the fear they felt, you know, just the fear about communism and that kind of thing. Yeah. There's not much more to say to this story. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of, it, <laughs> kind of it, a two-dimensional villain, right? The best part is um, on page, what is it? Page 26 and 27, where yeah. he leaps to the tops of some trees and uses the trees as um, like slingshots <laughs> to create a like a hurricane to blow the forces away. Right. It's totally <laughs> awesome. That was That's the best oh, yeah. part of this issue here. <laughs> <laughs> And I love the snow. The snowsuits are really cute too. Yeah, you know, like his big white abominable snowman suit. And... <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, so good. You know, it is interesting how Fantastic Four goes between five and six. Like you said, that's when it um it came out. It was published in between Hulk five and six. But it's uh, really a uh, because of yeah, like because of the uh, the creative team. I mean, it's just it's almost like another issue of the Hulk. That it's has seamless. Fantastic Four. Yep, it yeah. is it's seamless, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it has yeah. to fit in between Incredible Hulk five and six because he uses his transformation ray in order to change yep. back to the Hulk, which he loses after, after it, issue six or something like that. I think he, he I want to say he's still using it in maybe Avengers three or something, but that, okay, we'll find out in a little yet. bit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, okay. Let's move on to Hulk number six and then we'll loop yes. back to fantastic four. So Hulk Absolutely. number six is yep. called the metal master. And in this one, the Hulk fights another alien that can <laughs> this one can manipulate metal and then the Hulk finds that he can't turn back into Bruce Banner right and this one right. is drawn by Steve Ditko not yep. Stan Lee I mean sorry not Stan Lee not, not Jack yeah, Kirby right. <laughs> Stan doesn't draw any exactly. of them right <laughs> yeah this is um, a really funky story I mean just like the whole idea of uh, changing back Hulk changing back and then only his only his face changes back to Bruce Banner <laughs> yeah and, so he has, and I love how he has like a Hulk you know like of course he does Andy for studying of course he does yeah. yep and then i love at the end they take off the hulk mask and it's the hulk <laughs> face underneath his hulk mask <laughs> yes oh there's just so much uh, to love in this one it, it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this um ditko is a fantastic artist but mm -hmm. i'm not really a big fan of his hulk the way he draws the hulk I just, yeah i agree with you he doesn't yeah. get the proportions quite right or something yeah, but man, a, everything yeah. else in this book—the the characters, the the metal man, alien, uh, everything else—is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, certainly, it's it's interesting how you know being the last issue. I mean, it could have almost been the beginning of a new direction for the Hulk. But um, you know, I have to wonder if um, if this was if if Stan knew that this was definitely going to be the last issue. Um, you know, I know they had to cancel this one. I think for it to make way for it might have been Sergeant Fury uh, back then, where they could only put out so many titles a month. Um, but um, you know, I kind of want. I mean, at the end of the story, I suppose, I mean, it does kind of wrap things up nicely. I mean, you do have uh, Bruce and Betty walking off into this, into the moonlight together, and you know, kind of wondering, you know, is it is he is the Hulk gone forever? And that kind of thing. Yeah. I like um, online. I've noticed some people or somebody put together um, some cover concepts. So what would have had would have like a Hulk seven or a Hulk eight might have looked like? And uh, I think based on, um, I think he, like he fights the Avengers in one of them or something like that. But it's a uh, you know, it would have been interesting to see where the Hulk would have continued had he had continued his own series. Right. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, so. and if you pick up a book like this, it's like the series never ends because that's true. He just yeah. joins the Avengers, and it's Stan and Jack. So, yeah, yeah it just carries on. Um, pretty cool. <laughs> now, yeah. this is also the first appearance of the Teen Brigade yes. in this issue. The group of teens led by Rick Jones that are ham radio enthusiasts, and uh, <laughs> which is another sign of the times. There, um, ham radios were a huge thing. Yeah, back in no, this that's era. right. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and actually the Teen Brigade. I mean, not to not to jump too soon into the next one, but uh, obviously that's the. I guess they're kind of the reason that the Avengers were formed in the first place. Right. Uh, the yeah. Teen Brigade reaching out, so pull them together. So, yeah. Um, so those are the first six issues. Sure. Do you think that it should have been canceled at this time, or do you think that it, uh, like, just based on? I feel like it's kind of aimless and mm -hmm. they weren't sure exactly what they were doing. And I can understand if the sales weren't, you know, good enough to yeah. keep them, keep it going. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, it's, um, I think finally, even, even when Hulk was in the Avengers, I mean, it was obviously he joins number one and then quits at number two. So he was <laughs> still trying to say, what do we do with him? Yeah. So, I mean, you're right about that. It's kind of, um, he did seem a little aimless, you know, and until really until Stan and, figured out what to do with the Hulk. I guess it was kind of tough to keep a consistent series going. I think it, he figured it out once he got to Tales of Astonish because yeah. he really strips back the the types of stories that he tells. Mm -hmm. Like we don't have the aliens and we don't have right. a lot of the same villains and stuff. It's really a, a big chase mm -hmm. story that goes over multiple issues. Very serialized. He treats it like a movie serial, I feel. Yeah. Um, whereas these nice. ones don't. Yeah. These ones are. Right. He's trying to write in his old uh, Marvel style, mm -hmm. and it's not working for the Hulk. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's he's more of a yeah. The character is better suited certainly to the to ongoing stories, more kind of drawn out and developed stories for sure. Yeah. And uh, things worked out well, you know, the way they did, I suppose, you know, with us. So. And this is the only story, actually. I think this is the only Hulk issue. Without that's not divided into chapters or or has multiple stories. It's just one long, twenty-four page story. Oh, okay. And I thought it was fine. I uh, I appreciated that. I didn't even notice that. And I think um, maybe now I know that Ditko was kind of the main force behind Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Like he did a lot of most of the plotting and even a lot of the stories himself. And Stan just kind of scripted them. So I right. wonder if he did that for this issue as well because a lot of the elements do feel very Ditko-ish in like mm -hmm. just the way he uses the Metal Master and that kind of thing maybe yeah you know it's definitely it's certainly this one has a different feel I'd say from the other well, of course every issue has a different feel with yeah. all, but, um, yeah. but certainly this one you're right I mean I think I think you're right about Steve sort of steering the ship on this one yeah okay yeah. well let's loop back and sure. just cover Fantastic Four number 12 Mm -hmm. Of course, this is the very famous first meeting between the Fantastic Four yeah. and the Hulk. Yep. Um, the thing that stands out to me the most here is that Bruce has gray hair. <laughs> so I didn't even recognize him. Uh, yeah. As the... <laughs> yeah, I know. I wonder why. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's really cool to see the Marvel Universe starting to take shape. Um, yeah. Know, and this, this one coming out, Fantastic Four coming out at the same time as, as Spider-Man number one. And oh, the Fantastic okay. Four meeting, yeah, meeting a two, yeah, meeting Hulk and meeting Spider-Man in the uh, same month. Yep, yeah, it's a neat yeah. way to to establish that. But yeah, I love uh, you know it's cool to see Bruce and Reed Richards shaking hands and Rick and the Human Torch you know, meeting each other and 
I love this, just this great picture of the Hulk on page 16, the final panel of the page, just a zoom in on his face. And uh, this is, I think this is Kirby yeah, yeah. and Ayers as well. In this yeah, I find that he, he actually draws the Hulk in a very different style in this book mm. than he did. Because if you're reading issue number five and then you read this one, yeah. they, the Hulk just has a, a very different kind of look to him, a much bigger yeah. forehead, uh, mm -hmm. much wider mouth, that kind of thing. And, uh, but it's the same team. It's still yeah. Kirby and Ayers, but they uh, treat him a little bit differently. And he's also a different shade of green. He's lighter. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wonder if, you know, to establish him more of, as more of a villain in this one, if that's maybe why he was drawn. That could be, yeah. A little more fierce looking or whatever. Um, I mean, obviously it turns out that he's not really the villain of the story, but that he's been, I don't know if he's been framed or, but, he, you know, it's, but, um, yeah, that happens yeah, throughout this right. book is <laughs> other villains tricking the Hulk right. into fighting. <laughs> he's either being banished or, or framed or yeah. he just never gets Poor a Hulk. good break. Yeah, really and truly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the other, the other thing yeah, to sure. note in here is that the Hulk has only four fingers and three toes, like the yeah. thing. <laughs> right. He's drawn like the thing, but it's like Kirby was drawing these books at the same time, but he did he wasn't yeah. consistent yeah i wonder if he was just so overworked that he kind of forgot or whatever but i really uh, think that that yeah. was probably the case a lot of times <laughs> you could i guess just pass it off as a and this is how they ended up explaining the hulk's skin color change too i mean obviously we know the real story about the, the printing issues but um but you know just that he was still developing like the care like the um i think that you know within the story itself it's just that the, the hulk was still kind of going from gray to green and i guess you could kind of <laughs> if you really had it, it'd be a stretch, but you could claim that maybe he was, he was still having some finger issues here. <laughs> <laughs> he loses one, grows one back again. You know, yeah, this yeah, is all part of gamma radiation exactly. decay. <laughs> <laughs> the mysteries that we're still trying to ascertain. Right. right. So, um, oh man, yeah. we can go into Avengers. Avengers, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Avengers number one, and it's um, oh. it's kind of surprising to see this issue here because it's also so iconic in its in its story. Um, that it feels like it shouldn't be in his collection, but it has the Hulk, so of course we're going to yeah. do that one. This must have been pretty cool for Hulk fans at the time to, um, who were disappointed by the cancellation of the series to see Hulk back. I wonder how many Hulk fans there were. I, mm. I just, um, I'm just not sure if the Hulk got canceled. Like, yeah. were people really happy to see the Hulk appear here, or did they were they just indifferent? Good question. I, I um. I thought I'd heard somewhere that the Hulk sales were actually not that bad or something, but then you'd wonder why would they cancel in that case. But, uh, you know, again, it was, I know they had to make way for another series, but, uh, you know, even here it's like, you see how the Hulk is kind of like the, the odd, the odd guy out. You know, he's kind of the, no one, ever, no one on the team really likes him that much. And, uh, well, why would you, why would you <laughs> big monsters, <laughs> always big cranky guy and <laughs> mouthing off. <laughs> But uh, you know, it's cool how the Avengers movie reflects the story, just with Loki as the as the villain and the reason that the team comes together. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of that way too. I mean, the Hulk movie. You know, obviously, there are a couple Hulk movies, and, um, and I guess Marvel's not going that way, not planning any other Hulk movies. But you know, he lives on through the Avengers, so to speak, and that's kind of what's or through other people's like Thor movie. Yeah, it's kind of what happened in this situation. You know, at this point, you know, the Hulk was a guest star another series or 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 a team member and that kind of thing not, not that's on, interesting on. that that yeah the the movie hulk's movie career reflects his early comic <laughs> book career here in that sense right. too 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, in this one, at the very beginning, Hulk is shown saving a train. Like he accidentally, re- he tries to save it by yeah. removing dynamite, which is just <laughs> a trick by Loki, and he ends up uh, crashing a bridge. But then he fixes right. fixes the bridge enough that the train is safe. And I feel like um, the Hulk in the six issue series wouldn't have done that because he didn't care enough to do that. But in order for him to join a superhero team, I feel like Stan was like, no, we need to make him appear to be more like a hero. So let's make him saving a train at the beginning of this issue. So it makes sense that he would be on a team of heroes. Yeah, you know, he did, though. I mean, I think in Hulk 4, there was a house that was on fire. And oh, that's Hulk true, yeah. Of course, he had Banner's mind. I think there was another one where there was, I want to say there was a situation where he's, like, jumping around and sees a, like a car trapped on another train situation. But I think there was like, a car trapped on train tracks or something and Hulk jumps down and pushes it away or something like that but uh, um, it's a weird thing though yeah he's you know he wants to be left alone doesn't care for humanity but finds himself kind of yanked into situations where he grudgingly saves lives and that kind of thing the anti-hero or whatever but, um, yeah I love Hulk joining the circus it's just such a strange you know, page 9 they're like dressed as a clown pretending to be a robot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or Mechano or Mecha, whatever. Yeah, the most amazing robot ever. <laughs> it's incredible. You just like happen to find them, or I guess that's not really explain where they. Where no, they they, they do literally say they just found him, <laughs> and, they, and they put him in the circus. <laughs> there we go. That's what I do if I find a Hulk robot. Though. That's right. <laughs> oh boy. So, but again, you know, the broadening of the Marvel universe here, you know, certainly bringing these five characters together um, for the first time or obviously Ant and the Wasp work together bringing you know it's just it's cool to see this sort of expansion of the, uh, the universe yeah and then we move into issue number mm-hmm. two Avengers 2 yeah. and mm-hmm. um, this one's called the Space Phantom um, yeah. yet another random villain or a random alien <laughs> that comes to Earth uh, right. there's a lot of these in these early 60s issues yeah. But he, this guy can disguise himself as other people, so he disguises himself as the various members of the Avengers in order to pit each other against each other. Yeah. And um, and he, yeah, he he pretends to be the Hulk. Yeah, and then um, and then make, makes a fight uh, between the the other people, and then quickly switches the Hulk back into the middle of the fight so that he has to fight these guys, and he finds out. Hulk finds out how they how the other Avengers really feel about him, and that causes him to quit the team. Yeah. Uh, Hulk has feelings, apparently. So, <laughs> way to go! Yes, you call yourselves heroes, but yeah. Not for... So I I found that um, Kirby's drawings of the Hulk were they seem just a little rushed in this issue. Definitely. There's a yeah, lot I, of weird... Like, Kirby can be completely awesome, but then there are other times where he's just absolutely terrible. Uh, yeah, the panel on page six yeah. of this issue where he's fighting Iron Man, the fourth panel, and he's got his arm raised, and, like, the foreshortening's weird, and it looks like he has two left feet or something, and <laughs> it's just not a good... There are a few panels like this that are just pretty wonky. I think you could tell by this point that uh, the Jack was really just overworked at this point. He was doing mm-hmm. pretty much every series. It seemed like, you know, Steve Ditko was doing some and Don Heck, but it was really, you could tell, I mean, it was like, you know, this was definitely uh, something he sort of hammered out quickly, maybe in um, 
you know, I got to say, it's funny. Paul Ryman here um, was the anchor on this one, and, and as he he was the anchor on Hulk number one. Um, so it's interesting to compare the two. You know, I, I love the art in Hulk one, but yeah, like you, I, I don't really care for the art too much in this issue. And Hulk just looks strange, like on the just on the cover, he looks tiny. You know, he's I guess it's supposed to maybe his his size is supposed to relate to that of the Space Phantom, but you know, he looks uh, just so small compared to the other characters in the cover. There. Yeah, it's an odd composition. Yeah. Just the way it's yeah. laid out as well. Yeah. So it's it's uh, you know certainly it shows uh, the dynamic nature of um, of Marvel Comics. Uh, and certainly, just the this where DC would have had probably the same five people on the team for quite a while. You know, at DC at the time, but uh, you know, but the Hulk leaves at the end of the issue. It's just a like, whoa, and it's just a very dynamic change with this team. Obviously, with number four bringing Captain America on. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and do you think that they were like that's why he left to make room for Captain America, or um, I think it was—I want to say it's another situation of not knowing what to do with the character. It's kind of like you know, would it be? I mean, certainly it would certainly shook things up, you know, and then and maybe they were thinking that uh, maybe Stan was thinking it would still work better as a villain. I mean, Hulk, uh, Avengers three is really cool with with them fighting. Not to jump ahead. But oh yeah, well let's move. Yeah, we well, can move sure, right sure. on ahead. Yeah, Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. But just with the Avengers battling uh, Hulk and Submariner, um, it's a really, I mean, it's a cool concept. I mean, it's nice to see that even though, you know, the Hulk leaves the team at number two, he's still with the title, um, even though he's now a villain in number three. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And this issue, I would mm. say, is more of a Hulk issue than it is an Avengers issue. Yeah. Like, it's, it really, really is all about the Hulk. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and the Avengers are just the guest stars. Particularly, yeah, if you look at like pages uh, six and seven, I mean, it's all pretty much all Hulk. You know, you could just this could have been a page taken from a Hulk title at the time. Yeah, and well, it's and nice it, that, it furthers through the uh, the evolution of this character as well because he starts just changing. Um, he changes into the Hulk kind of at random now. Um, yes, he doesn't you, know when he's going to change into the Hulk. Right, you do see uh, Banner's machine on page six. I think this might be. I don't know if this is the last time or one of the last times that um, oh, yeah. that, that machine is used um, to trigger the transformation. But it's uh, yeah, it's interesting to see. I think this is the first time we see Bruce Banner um, since, uh, since his own title. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. probably right. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, we saw a gray-haired uh, Bruce. No, yeah. But that was published between five yeah. and six. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, this is also the first time he's called Bob Banner, right? On yeah. page twenty-four of this story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know how they, like we were talking about earlier, like how they kind of got out of that one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Banner. Yeah. Yeah. He just Bruce is his middle name. He just goes by Bruce. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. And uh, of course, they kind of picked that up with the whole TV show too. You know, they called him uh, on his tombstone. It was David Bruce Banner. So. Yeah, uh, of course that's a whole different t- subject right there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so yeah, this is a this is a long one too. It's funny back then how you know the the page counts were a bit inconsistent. Um, you know, did something. It's a you know, twenty five page story, pretty long. So I, uh, yeah. I don't know how that worked as far as ads. You know, like the, the uh, story story to ad ratio, how that worked out. Yeah, that is interesting. It's a few pages longer. Huh. Yeah. But this leads really well right into Fantastic Four twenty five as far as you know, the Hulk versus versus everyone concept. Yeah, it's yeah. really like um, 
it's really like it is a continuation of the Hulk story. He just yeah. picks up right where he left off. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Sue's reading a newspaper that says that the events <laughs> in the last one just happened. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in this one, the Hulk, um, it's the Hulk versus the Thing. This is kind of the the fight mm. that everybody's been asking for since the Hulk first appeared. Yeah. Is who is stronger, the Hulk versus the Thing, and they fight right. over and over again through the years. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of like, you know, they, they faced each other in Fantastic Four 12, but it was very quick. And so I think, you know, fans are like, we really want to, let's, let's stretch this one out. And so in this case, you know, we're two issues, basically, uh, the two of them fighting each other. Yeah. I like the part where the thing is on the top of a building and the Hulk grabs the bottom of the building and starts just waving it around to try and knock him off. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the whole... Uh, the idea of uh, using the trees there as a fan exactly you know, as yeah. he did that before so <laughs> physics are a little I loosely applied don't go into that building anymore because i don't think it's structurally safe right. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about the art in this one I, i'm not you know uh george bell or otherwise yeah. i think the one is uh, george russo's don't i'm not a big fan of a I mean, his thing just does not look that great no his i don't like his hulk either his hulk has right. a really really big nose and such and um, yeah yeah, I'm not a fan of his his inking, yeah, really at all. Yeah, it's, but it's too bad. Yeah. yeah, it kind of is. You know, it's uh, I like it. just one thing I do like. You know, just some some of the um, you know, on page five here, like the this, uh, the third panel, uh, Bruce Banner, and the the shadow is there, and I like how uh, I've got like the one side of him is is green because he's thinking, mm. oh, I can see well, he's changing. That's why. Duh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was kind of an artistic effect, but. The reason for that, right? No, so, well, it is artistic still. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, this was. I think this might be one of the first uh, Marvel two-parters. Um, I think there was. I think there was a Tales. There was one in Tales of Astonish, and fifty to fifty-one was one of the first two-parters. So um, you're starting to see stories stretched out over multiple issues. At huh. this point. Nice. Yeah. So. That's great. Um, and then yeah, the next issue twenty six yeah. has that cover that you yeah. mentioned earlier. Yes, uh, really, really great with all the heroes yeah. together. Yeah, that's I mean certainly uh, you know what a great. That's one one thing I like about this book, this epic book too, is just that um, it's a good primer I think for people um, to get to know the Marvel universe a bit. You know, it's kind of like if you if you're, if you're trying Marvel sixty stuff for the first time, you know, it's a, this is a really good way to sort of see what what you might like. You, know, you get a lot of samplings from different series. So, yeah. Um, just that cover there. It's like, you know, it's, yeah, it's like 80% of the Marvel Universe on that cover. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of need Spider-Man and the X-Men and you're all set. Exactly. Well, then you got Spider-Man right here. You know, the next uh, number 14. Yep. Right after this one. So, yeah. It's, uh, oh, I see what you're saying on the cover. Yeah, exactly. On the cover there. Right. You're just missing. Definitely, yeah. So, um, yeah. so, my favorite scene in this one the Hulk catches a missile <laughs> mid yeah. mid air. He just jumps up and gets it, and that's this issue, right? Yeah, we're on page seven. Yeah, you're right. It's so good. <laughs> you know, again, it's it's that whole thing of Hulk versus versus everyone. It's um, kind of sad, you know. I, I know later in this in this book, there's one uh, part where he's talking about how uh, everybody hates him, and he says uh, something about how he ha- even hates himself. Just so Whoa, sad, but yeah. uh, you know, it's certainly it's um, um, you know, if you're feeling kind of lonely and whatever, the last kid picked for the basketball team or whatever, you know, Hulk's a good series to read. You're like, you know, hey, the Hulk can relate. 
<laughs> yeah, in, in such a different way than The Thing, because The Thing has those same feelings as well. In, in this era, especially when he was brand new and everybody feared what he looked like and that kind of thing. And he he himself was so down on himself because of what he looked like. Yeah. But um, he reacts to it differently, so differently than the Hulk does. Yeah, and he kind of comes with his own family, so to speak, you know, with, the, with people who kind of are there with him, whereas the Hulk is very much a loner. Yeah. You know, sort of, he's got Rick, I guess. You know, there, there's, there's that. Um, but, of course, in this very issue, I think, is when he... Hulk is jealous that Rick is now uh, hanging out with Captain America, and I think he uh, sort of scares Rick off in this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's like trying to capture Rick, and then on page 16 here, he's like confronting Rick. You know, I trusted you, gave you, know, you know all my secrets. So Hulk is a jilted lover. <laughs> so, if anybody was interested in finding out a good issue, a good Jack Kirby issue that really demonstrates his storytelling and, uh, uh, yeah, just the storytelling skills. This is the issue because there are so many characters in this one and the yeah. whole thing is pretty much one big fight, but <laughs> Kirby lays it out so that every character gets their moment to shine and displays yep. their powers and none yeah. of it's confusing and it's it's just really well thought out, well paced. Um, it's yeah. a great issue for for people for Kirby fans, I think. Oh, you know, and again, it's a great way for somebody you know who's picking this comic up for the first time to really get a taste of you know, what Marvel comics are all about. Yeah, to, and to be introduced to each of the characters and find out what they all do. Like it, it's all laid out here yeah. in a really good way. You didn't feel like he came in late to a show or something. Yeah, you know, they're really good about bringing up the speed. And then we jump back to Avengers. Yeah, um, Avengers number five. So we missed Avengers number four, which is of course the beginning of the appearance of Captain America right. um, who we see in that issue of Fantastic Four it's kind of funny isn't it that it's like the, the first Captain America adventure with with the Avengers was right at I mean instead of being like in Avengers 5 you jump into Fantastic Four and see the uh, um, it's like Captain America's earliest adventures with, that, with yeah. that team and it's interesting here how Hulk is kind of back to sort of being a member of the team inadvertently you know he's on his own but he ends up um you know, he's kind of portrayed here a little bit as still kind of he and the team are working together kind of trying to achieve the same goal I guess yeah I really wa wonder why he's even in this issue because they yeah they just established that he didn't want to be part of the team why do they keep bringing him back you, you would have thought he must have been popular enough with with the uh, readers that they kept him they kept him along I mean it's yeah they could have just left you know after he left in number two they could have just never brought him back or gotten rid of him now, but uh, ready shows up and uh, I think at this point I mean certainly with Captain America now a member of the team you know certainly made sense I guess to, for the Hulk to finally go go somewhere else but um, well I wonder if by this time they'd figured that um, like they were getting enough good feedback that uh, they were planning on spinning him out into Tales to Astonish because mm -hmm. that's just a few months away from here true yeah so, and if you look at the like at the table of contents, um, yeah. there isn't. It's pre he's pretty much appears on a bi-monthly basis. Um, yeah. So like his 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 own book was bi-monthly, but then after his book was canceled, he still appeared bi-monthly um, <laughs> until Tales of Astonish. I think there's a three-month gap in between. But they must have just continued getting good mail about him. I think so, and maybe it was kind of um, maybe his popularity was growing too, and and that's a uh, Marvel realized that it's or Stan realized that it's. Uh, 
he was a work he was worthy of you know put back into his own series because I think he was about a year and a half past between Hulk six and Chaos of Astonish sixty uh, when the series started. Um, yeah. During that time, I think yeah, the Hulk was gaining more momentum. I think more with fans, perhaps. So this issue has him back to Bruce. He's called Bruce again. So now all is right with the world. He's now Bruce Banner. General um, Ross is back, and Betty Ross is back. Is yeah, cool. and, and so he he even makes one change during daylight in this issue. So it's like everything about the Hulk is is <laughs> kind of changing again. Right, right, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and uh, they tell retell the origin again. So yep. <laughs> but I think it's a good place to tell the origin because. Um, mm-hmm. They probably got a, a lot of new readers on the book when they brought back Captain America. So if they want to increase Hulk's popularity in the next issue, let's put him in there and tell his origin story and get people yeah. get people hooked. This could have been kind of a tryout too, you know, just to, to see you know, our fan. You know, is it is it worth launching a, another series with the Hulk? This kind of yeah, this is kind of the end of Hulkbook Avengers here. It's uh, he shows up in seventeen, um, but it's really. He's, at this point, he kind of really goes his, his own way, and uh, we see him again as Spider-Man. Yeah, so Spider-Man number uh, fourteen. Yeah. This is the uh, the first appearance of the Green Goblin, yeah. but that part of the yeah, story so. doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> Stay tuned for another podcast. Yeah, because <laughs> we're just going to deal with the Hulk's involvement in this issue, which is basically he's hiding under in a cave. <laughs> and the battle between Goblin and Spider-Man leads into that cave, and he runs into the Hulk, and it's kind yeah. of a pointless battle. It's <laughs> just really just kind of page filler. Yeah, um, that's true. But that's and that's all it is. They they fight for a little bit, and then Spider-Man runs away, and that yeah. nothing comes of it more than that. It's it's fun <laughs> to include Spider-Man in this collection, and I'm kind of glad it's here. But it probably out of all of the issues is the one issue that doesn't really need to be in this book. True, it doesn't really link up any of the stories. You know, kind of like uh, how Avengers continues the, the real kind of Hulk story. This yeah. is more of a just kind of like a guest shot, guest appearance. So, right. You know, I do love. I mean, it's it's what's great about this one. I, I Hulk and Spider-Man, like I said, are my two favorites. They always have been, and uh, I just love the the two of them meeting. And when uh, on page fifteen, there were. Hulk's accusing Spider-Man of uh, trying to capture him, and Spidey's like, you know, capture your brother. I don't even want to share the same planet. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's a perfect line. I love it. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, and I love how just like the uh, like the wind from Hulk's punch is enough to like knock Spidey over. It's Hulk is just so strong on page uh, eighteen where Spidey uh, avoids his punch but is still knocked over by like by the wind or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> so, you know, just that it's you know back then it's just like every every issue of like, Spider-Man was a milestone at this point. You know, that's a lot, lot going on, a lot squeezed into that cave. That's for sure. Oh yes, yeah, it's a it's a good issue, for yeah. sure. And then that's uh, Tales of Stone Fifty Nine. Yeah, the that's, famous yeah. Hulk versus Giant Man battle. Yeah, this is another one where the Hulk is tricked into fighting Giant Man by another villain. <laughs> right. This in this case yeah. it's the Top. Right, <laughs> the human Top. God, what a Lame character. Yeah, <laughs> but he appeared quite a few times in Giant Man, didn't he? Yeah, um, he did. Yeah, that's a. I'll tell you, you know, I hate to not to not to be a, a hater, but man, the, uh, the early Giant Man stories were kind of <laughs> tough to get through sometimes. <laughs> oh, they had a charm to them for sure. They did have a charm. Yeah, I know. I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, this was you know, and again, it's kind of like another Avengers story. It starts off that way. Yeah, this time, of course, we're seeing Dick Ayers doing the art. 
the, the penciling and, and Paul Ryman's back with inking. This is another one though that definitely feels like you know it could just be a regular Hulk story. Um, you know, certainly on page five going into six, you know, you got a, a banner on the base and Betty's there. And I think that's intentional because the very next yeah. issue of Tales of to Astonish has Hulk as a regular feature. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So yeah. I'm sure they wanted to make to bring all of those characters into this story. Because yeah. um, so, um, the next issue continues basically off from where this one stands. Right, right, yes. I love that, um, the ad at the, uh, the end of the book, too. Really, uh, just uh, plugging uh, Hulk to the new Hulk series that would be coming up the next month. And, uh, yeah. Just how you've got like, the, the image of the Hulk from Hulk number one is used here. Of course, they, they doctored it a little bit. Right. But it's, uh, this issue yeah. has the scene that I mentioned earlier where Hulk grabs a missile and gets carried away by it. Um, the other okay, one, yeah. he didn't get carried away. He just threw it away. But this one is a nuclear device. It's yeah. going to blow up an entire city <laughs> because they're going to take up the Hulk yeah. um, and Giant Man. And the Hulk, he want, I, it, it, this is an interesting conversation because he, he saves Giant Man, but mm-hmm. he pretends that it's because he doesn't care and he's gonna, he wants to be the strongest person. So right. he's going to take care of the bomb, and it doesn't matter if he blows him up because the world hates him anyway. Right. Um, but he's really doing the, a good thing, but he doesn't want to admit it. So there's right. there's the struggle that the Hulk, yeah. the Hulk that Hulk's mind faces all the time. Yeah, exactly. Well, the great things about the character, you know, it's a, kind of kind of a complex thing. You know? Yeah. Journey into Mystery One Twelve is our final story in this book. This one's cool because it's an out of continuity story. Um, it because it's uh, the it's Thor telling a, a bunch of fans about the time he fought the Hulk, which those events take place in um, Avengers uh, three. Three, yeah, Avengers yeah. three. And they ex- expand. So I went back and looked at Avengers three, and yeah, sure enough, they they do go away for a little bit. Yeah, and I don't know if Stan had that in mind. He's like, I'll tell that story later. Or if he like needed a filler issue and was like, okay, well, I I see how I can make something up right here. Right. Yeah. That that, that could have been. I think. Uh, just I, I think fans were really big on seeing uh, Marvel's strongest superheroes face off against each other, like Hulk versus Thing. You know, I mean, they they met quickly again in number twelve, Fantastic Four, and then were given an opportunity to to fight more in twenty five and twenty six. So it might have been the same kind of thing here. People might have been saying, like, oh, you should have maximize that opportunity more for Hulk and Thor to, to battle each other. So. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting, instead of having um, a brand new story, that, yeah, the Stan chose to go back to that one and flesh it out a bit, that, that one from Avengers 3. Yeah, well, and I know that Stan was, um, he was aware of the stories that were happening in the other books at the time, mm-hmm. and this issue takes place a few months into Hulk's Tales to Astonish story. Right. And uh, Hulk was unavailable yeah. to fight fight Thor at that time because he was kind of yeah. involved in his own thing. So it makes yeah, sense to true. pull out something from mm-hmm. the past like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Definitely. The, the yeah. other thing is that this is this issue was right at the time when they had just launched the Mary Marvel Marching Society. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that this issue was uh, was used to promote it because it's kind of like it's fans from the Mary Marvel Marching Society um, that are that are debating this I think if I, I can't uh, remember I thought I read somewhere that that was it but maybe it wasn't 
Oh no, I know what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, the, in the letters pages, because I was reading, yeah, I was reading these issues that had letters pages, and uh, yeah. everybody was starting their own fan clubs. And okay. in the letters pages, they would write the addresses of the people who had fan clubs, so people around the world could join the, the fan clubs. Okay. And so these two are these are two rival fan clubs that were trying to figure out who was stronger, Hulk or Thor. Um, and I'm pretty sure in the letters pages that they uh, they make reference to the, that's kind of the genesis of the story. Okay. Um, but I'm not. I don't have the letters pages in front of me to reference yeah. that right now. I love these. Uh, <laughs> the Thor head and the Hulk's that head here on these. Yeah. <laughs> the debate has turned into an all-out protest. <laughs> Oh jeez, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just it's, yeah, so funny. I, Chick Stone yeah. inks this one, and I yeah. really like Chick Stone's inking. He's just so dynamic and bold. Yeah, he was pretty good over on Fantastic Four during this time. And, yeah, uh, you know, that's the thing, you know. As we all know, an inker can really make or break what the penciler's doing, and uh, you know, it's good. To, I think Marvel was finding its uh, niche a little bit more with, um, with some of these inkers. Um, I was glad to see like when uh, when Joe. Um, Senate finding people like him to really, you know, bringing their bringing um, just just making them, you know, bringing Jack Kirby's uh, pencils to life. And so yeah, I mean, Chick Stone was a great guy for that too. Uh, yeah. Really, um, well, that's it for the book. I mean, there are some yeah, bonus pages it. in this epic collection, yeah. including yeah. Uh, some house ads, some yeah. uh, original art pages from Ditko and Kirby, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, some of the covers from previous collections. Um, including yeah. some work from Bruce Tim, who is kind of, yeah. I think, like a modern-day Kirby in sure. just his style, yeah. stylized, kind of, and a nice painting by Alex Ross. So oh, not yeah. much in the way of extras, but some good stuff there. Yeah. That's always one of the big challenges um, with mapping these things out is um, coming up with bonus features and you know, what's a, um, you know, what, what would be good to, to throw in the end there, especially stuff that hasn't been included anywhere before. Um, so it's a... Um, yeah, it's it's. I love just seeing the the pencil artwork, though. I mean, you, you really. I mean, just especially um, the Steve Ditko page from Hulk Number Six. It's beautiful, uh, beautiful work here. So, yeah, 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 it really is. It's so crisp and clear, and mm-hmm. it's nice to see to see the, yeah the original art for sure. Yeah, it was cool too. Um, yeah, I'm glad. Um, I think in year two of the epics, uh, when they were released, that um, that Marvel put out a few of these volume ones. I like the idea of um, each year sort of getting a new volume because I don't, I don't know if this is how it's working out or going to work out, but it's just, um, you know, it's like I, we now have like the first few volumes of Avengers and, and Thor now, which is cool. And uh, kind of a, you're getting more of a cohesive collection now yeah. if you're uh, with the epics, which is um, as, as more of these come out. So good book though. Really, I was really excited to get this one and uh, really finally have a kind of like a complete telling of the Hulk story in the first uh, two years. So. Yeah, and are we going to tackle volume two next? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, that's. Uh, in fact, I'm just finished reading uh, Tales of Astonish '87, so I think we're. Uh, I think the next volume goes up to number ninety-six or something like that. Awesome. So, it's a, so that almost completes the uh, Tales of Astonish part of it. And, um, yeah, I definitely would love to talk about that one. Yeah, well, let's do it. We'll definitely yeah. have you back on the show to talk about volume two uh, oh, in a few yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's been a lot of fun. It's just uh, it's nice to just kind of sit back and uh, just talk about these things and with a fellow fan. So um, yeah, my wife doesn't really talk about like to talk about comics that much. My 16 month old daughter isn't really capable of talking about these <laughs> things, although she she is going to be kind of a Hulk fan. So that's 
<laughs> so that's good. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll be reading these with her. So. Right. Well, cool. there we go. Yeah, that's our episode. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. And um, yeah, if you want to send us some feedback or ask some questions, you can do so at epicmarvelpodcast at gmail.com or get, get us through um, Twitter or um, Facebook. Yeah, we're, cool. we're all over the place. <laughs> great. Well, this has been yes. great. So we, thanks a lot, Alex. Yeah, Curtis, thanks very much. It was a pleasure.